Welcome, my favorite people on the other end, listening to this podcast. Today, I bring you two remastered old-time episodes straight from the Haunting Owl Vault. If you're new, get comfy, because you're in for a murder mystery and a conspiracy involving shoes. Our first tale will have you wondering if there's more to a cursed mummy than meets the eye. And our second tale, well, it's a slow burn, but any shoemaker out there listening to this podcast, well, this will be your time to shine in a conspiracy that is just one footstep away. Mates, before I jump in, I want to thank my white tea warlords, the champions that donate above and beyond to this podcast. The King, Matthew J. Bauer. The Magister, Maya. And divided by zero, our supreme anti-hero. Thank you from the bottom of my storytelling and mythically infused heart. From one mate to another mate, you lot are awesome. And my Earl Grey enforcers that keep the lights on in this podcast, Chad Warren, Just Heather, Lee Bauer, Lorraine Crisanto, Mace Joe, Paige Marcini, Peter Raffaelli, and Michelangelo Yacone. All of you keep this podcast ticking along like clockwork. Thank you. Now, turn the lights off, get super duper comfy, and let's all enjoy these two old-time ready episodes straight from the Haunting Hours Vault. Ptolemy's Grave the tomb which held the mummy of Ptolemy III, these words were written, Death to him who disturbs the everlasting resting place of these sacred remains. Two weeks ago, William Cartwright, a famous Egyptologist, defied this curse. He bought the mummy, had it sent to his home. That same day, he slowly walked down the stairs from his upstairs study. His wife, Martha, heard his familiar footsteps in the hall, over the stairs, but she did not know that her husband was then walking into a nothingness, that he would completely disappear, leaving no trace of his whereabouts. Now, it is two o'clock the following morning. The Cartwright house is still. A taut feeling of mystery hovers in the air. Martha Cartwright is dreaming of her missing husband. And in her dream, as in her waking hours, she is haunted by the fear of Ptolemy's curse. William? William? Martha! I hear you. Do you hear me? William, where are you? Downstairs. I'm downstairs, Martha. Downstairs? Here in our house? In our study. Come to the study, Martha. I'll come. I'll come, William. Here in the study, Martha. Come to the study. Yes, William. The study. I'm here, William. Here at the study door. Look for me. Where are you, William? Look for me, Martha. 
darkness. Can't see you. Come over the carpet to the mummy case. To the mummy case. The mummy of Ptolemy Third. Yes. Yes, William, I'm here. Look at the mummy closely, Martha. I am looking, William. Don't you see? All I see is a strange, misty light. Like a halo. Shining, glowing about the mummy. Lean forward, then, Martha. Look closely. Uh, Look closely. No, I can't. I can't. You must, Martha. Look at the mummy's face. The face? Can't you see, Martha? Can't you see what it is? No. No, it's just... I don't know what you mean. The features, Martha. Don't you see anything different about the features? Gray, shrunken, shriveled skin... Gray and horrible. But the lips, the forehead, the eyes, don't you see, Martha? Have you forgotten so soon? Forgotten? I remember you, William. I'll always remember you. But if the eyes were open, if they were open, Martha, could you? Look, now they are open, Martha. Yeah. I see. Now I see. William, the mummy has your face. Yes, Martha, that's it. The mummy and I, we're the same, Martha. The same. The same? We are! Hello? Dr. John Crandall. Yes, John. Look, I had to call you. I'm so afraid. I thought the operator could never get my call through. Yes, I know. The long-distance lines are pretty well tied up. What's the matter, Martha? What time is it? It's very late, but I couldn't wait till morning. John, something's happened. Have they found William? Yes. I, I mean, no. I, I don't know. Look, John, I need you badly. I think I'm going out of my mind. Oh, nonsense. What happened? I've got to see you, John. Please, tonight. I'm asking you this not only as a patient, but as a friend. But I... Oh, no, I thought it was a dream. Well, I've got a job here that's got to be finished, but I can leave the hospital early in the morning. Come as soon as you can, please. I promise, Martha. Now, take hold of yourself. Control's the word. Remember. I'll try, John. I'll try. Right, Mr. Crow, I'm sorry to wake you up if I did. Oh, no, 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 that is all right. I've got to see you first thing in the morning. It's important, it's urgent. Why, of course, Mrs. Conrad. Will you come here to my house at nine o'clock? At nine, I will be there. But what is the trouble? It's about that mummy you sold my husband. Oh, I see. Don't fail me, Mr. Crow. No, no, I will be there without fail. <laughs> Cartwright? You're Mr. Crowe. Yes. Come in, please. Thank you. You're the gentleman who sold my husband the mummy, aren't you? Yes. Well, I want you to take it away. 
take it away. Yes, immediately. You hear right away. But, Mrs. Cartwright... I'm sorry. I'm terribly upset. No, I understand. How soon can you take it away? Perhaps tomorrow morning. But what do you want me to do with it? I don't know. I don't care. Sell it or give it away. Do anything you want with it. Well, that would be very difficult. You see, one reason your husband was able to buy it was... Well, (laughs) perhaps we'd better not discuss it right now. You mean it's cursed? Yes. Misfortune has always been attached to it. Do you believe in this curse? I have specialized in the art and civilization of the pharaohs for 20 years. My experience has taught me to respect their ideas. Yes, Mrs. Cartwright, I believe in the curse. Can you tell me what the curse says? Death to him who disturbs the sacred remains. A death of torture, of maddening pain. Death in its strangest form. And now... Now that my husband is dead, I may be the next victim. Mm. You must take it back. Please, Mr. Crowell, I can't have it here another night. I haven't slept for days. I can't keep my eyes open, but I'm afraid to sleep. Why don't you leave this house until tomorrow? I can't. I'm expecting my doctors. Then perhaps you will be able to take a nap before he arrives. Perhaps. Well, thank you, Mr. Crowell. You'll take it tomorrow, then. Yes. Uh, Goodbye, Mrs. Cartwright. William. Death in its strangest form. Not you, William. A death of torture, of maddening pain. They couldn't, William, they couldn't. Martha, do you hear me? William. Yes, Martha. Where are you? I'm in the study, Martha. You remember where you saw me last night? No. Oh, it was a dream last night. You're in the mummy case, then it couldn't be. Yes, I'm still there, Martha. Come and you'll see. No, William, I couldn't go there again. No, I haven't disappeared. I'm here in the house. You want to be with me? I'm here in the study, Martha. I can't come to you. I'm afraid. Afraid to flee your husband? Yes, William, I know. I'll come to you. Down here, Martha, in the study. I'm coming to you, William. I'll do anything you say. But don't make me look at the face. You must, Martha. No, William, I'll do anything. Not that, please. No, not that. No. Martha. Please don't make me. Well, please, I can't do it. Martha, uh, wake up. It's John. No. John Crane. I'm going to die. I know I'm going to die. I don't want to look at that face again. Please don't make me, William. Please, please. Martha. John You were walking in your sleep, Martha. I'm, I'm sorry I slapped you, but... I had to wake you. Oh, you're here, John. Thank heaven you're here. Is there anything left that you haven't told me, Martha? That's all I know, John. I'm not going crazy, am I? No, Martha. As a psychiatrist, I can tell you that you're not going crazy. This is all the result of the shock of Will's disappearance. But that doesn't explain the curse, John. What about... nonsense. Civilized people don't believe in curses. Those statements were inscribed on tombs to frighten away grave robbers. So hard for me to believe that now. Martha, I want you to make an experiment with me. What? Let's go into the study together and look at the mummy. Oh, no, 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 I can't. But you've got to. It's the only way you can overcome your fear. 
Uh, just let me prove that it's only your imagination and nothing oh, more. Please, if no. you want me to help you, Martha, you have to help me too. Come. All right. That's it. Here's the study. Where's the light switch? And wait. Don't turn on the light. But Martha, it's I... there, John. You see it? You see that misty light? Just a moon coming through the blinds. No, no, it's the mummy. Look at it. The mummy. You see it? That gray light shines around it. I'm not sleeping, John. I'm here with you. And look at that face. Look closely, John. I am. You see that face? William's face? As though it were dead for centuries? Is this a nightmare, too? No, no, it's not a nightmare. I see it. And that mummy is William's body. It's the curse of Ptolemy III. But you laughed at John, you laughed. Now William's gone, he's dead. Martha, please. And I'll be cursed at the John Martin. You don't believe me. I do, I do. Why didn't he believe it when they told him? Now it's too late, don't you see? Now I'll die if William dies. Because now the money belongs to me. Dr. Cartwright, a famous Egyptologist purchased a mummy called Ptolemy III, despite the fact that it was known to be cursed. The same day, he vanished. Now his wife has been suffering from the delusion that the mummy has acquired Cartwright's features. In fact, is Cartwright. Dr. Crandall, a psychoanalyst and a friend of the Cartwrights, has tried to disprove this, only to find that he, too notices a strange resemblance. Now, we find Dr. Crandall attending Mrs. Cartwright in a hospital. Very light, isn't it? Yes. How do you feel? Better. What happened to me? Well, you were suffering from lack of sleep, Martha, and your nerves were so unstrung that I thought it best to bring you here for a while. You believe in the curse now, John? After what you saw? No. But you saw the same thing I did? Yes. How do you explain it? I'm not sure that I can explain it yet, Martha. But after I brought you here, I went back to the house again to look at the mummy. And? It was gone. Gone? Oh, I suppose Mr. Crow called for it. Who is Mr. Crow? He's the man for whom William bought the mummy. I asked him to take it away. I see. Well, I'm going to leave you now, Martha. There are several things I want to take care of. But I'll be back this evening, and I want you to come with me to Mr. Crow's place. What? I want to see that mummy again. Oh, but John, why must I do that? Are you still afraid of the curse? Yes. But I still intend to prove to you that there is no such thing. I'm going to buy that mummy. Good evening, Mr. Crow. No, Mrs. Cartwright. And... This is Dr. John Crandall. No, good evening. How do you do, sir? Mrs. Cartwright brought me here so that I could see the mummy of Ptolemy III. Of course. May I ask why you wish to see it? I'm interested in buying it. I've tried to convince him that it's cursed, Mr. Crow, but he doesn't want to believe it. Many men have refused to believe it. It is only fair that we inform those who intend to buy. And the rest is entirely up to them. Now, if you step this way, please, the mummy is in my workshop. Thank you. Hmm, I notice you have many other mummies here, don't you, Mr. Crow? Oh, yes. I am known as an expert in repairing them. They are sent from museums and collectors all over the world. Mm-hmm. And which is Ptolemy III? In this sarcophagus right here. Will you open it? Why, of course, certainly. 
Now, just a moment, Martha. Don't go away. I want you to look at it. John. It's very important. There, there. There you are, sir. There it is. Martha, is that the mummy we looked at last night? You see, I'm not sure. I saw it for only a few minutes. It looks the same. But what? The faces. I mean, the features are not so familiar. How do you mean? Well, it doesn't look like William. Perhaps the light is too sharp here. Uh, do you think you could turn the lights off for a second, Mr. Crow? No, 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 Mr. Crow. No, I'm afraid. Martha, you know I'm not trying to hurt you any more than you've already been hurt by this whole affair. But I must get you to believe that there is no such thing as a curse of this kind. If you don't do as I say, your condition may grow even worse, beyond my control. Is that clear? Yes. Now, Mr. Crow, will you turn off the light? Of course. Are you looking at the mummy in that sarcophagus, Martha? Yes. Do you see anything now? No. It's so pitch black, I can't see anything at all. Nothing. I see. John, you know I haven't been imagining all this. You... What is it, Martha? Over there. Look near that other wall. That's Williams, just as we saw it last night, John. With that glow all around it. And, it, and it's moving. Look, it's moving. John, they can turn on the light. John, Oh, please. will you turn on the light, please? Hurry. Why, certainly. We'll get you out of here. Will you open the door, Mr. Crow? Why, of course, Doctor. And uh, could I ask you to get Mrs. Cartwright a glass of water? A pleasure, I'm sure. Martha, Martha, listen to me carefully. I've got to explain quickly. As soon as you leave here, go straight to the nearest telephone and call the police. Tell them to come here immediately. I don't understand. I know now that William was murdered. What? Yes, Cole killed him, and I'm going to stay here with him until the police arrive. I beg your pardon, I, I have the water. Thank you, thank you. Now, drink this, Martha, and take the pill I just gave you. Yes. That's it. Now I think you'd better go home, and uh, don't forget what I told you. Yes, John, I'll go home. Goodbye, Mr. Cole. Goodbye, madame. Oh, it's terrible, sir. She's completely obsessed with the fear of that mummy, and it's destroying her. She loved her husband very much, I'm sure. Of course, of course. But more than anything else, it's her insane fear of that curse. And is that the reason you want to purchase the mummy, Dr. Crandall? Precisely. In that case, maybe I can help you. You can? Yes, let us talk about it. Uh, but first, would you like to have a drink? I notice you're rather fatigued after what just has happened. Yes, I guess I could stand something. Uh, will you join me? <laughs> Why should I leave myself out? <laughs> Why, of course, I, I have some very fine old spirits here. <laughs> and now, <laughs> there we are. Uh, I hope... What's that? What? Is there somebody else in your workroom? I thought I heard a noise from there. Well, there is nobody there that I know of. No, no. It must be your imagination, Doctor. Oh. Perhaps you yourself can take one of those pills you just administered to Mrs. Cartwright. Yes, she, she has been a very trying patient, I'll admit. <laughs> so, well, <laughs> to her early recovery. Thank you, sir. <clears throat> hey, dear, there is nothing quite like it, is there, eh, Doctor? Yes, it's very fine, I must say. Now, I don't like to hurry you, Mr. Crow, but I'm very much interested in your idea to help Mrs. Cartwright. Well, let us start at the beginning. When you first came into the shop with Mrs. Cartwright and she looked at the mummy, she did not see anything about it that frightened her. 
Is that right? Right. But when you suggested that we turn off the lights, it was then, for the first time, that she was aware of her, well, shall we say, her hallucination. And uh, what do you suggest? I suggest that she have the mummy return to her house and then have her practice looking at it while the lights are on. And in this way, she might forget the hallucinations of seeing her husband's face. But suppose she is not suffering from hallucinations, Mr. Crow. Well, you yourself saw what a change came over her when the lights were turned off. But she was not frightened by the mummy you originally showed her. No? No, Mr. Crow. Mrs. Cartwright saw the mummy you didn't want her to see. The mummy that you took from her house. The mummy that happens to be no mummy at all, but is, in fact, the body of her husband. You know that? That was why you hung a curtain in front of that mummy before we arrived. And how did you know it was behind the curtain in my workroom? Because of the glow of light around it. I could see that glow when the lights were turned off, so I took the curtain away completely. That was what made Mrs. Cartwright think it was moving. Oh, I see. You are a very astute doctor. Could you tell me, perhaps, what you think made the misty glow? That's simple. It was the natural body gases and fluids which you forgot to extract before you applied your preservative to Dr. Cartwright's corpse when you mummified. You are quite right. That was the only mistake I made. There are certain things that you can't hide, Kroll, such as your bleached hair and beard. Your real name is Cavarella, isn't it? Oh, so you are not only a doctor, you are a detective as well. Well, you see, I knew that William Cartwright was one of the foremost Egyptologists in this country. And as such, he was often called upon to testify as an expert witness in many fraudulent cases connected with the culture. How so? Yes. So I went through those cases with the district attorney on the assumption that one of those defendants was connected in some way with Cartwright's disappearance. And the district attorney told you about me. I found out that you had been convicted in one of those and sent to prison for 12 years on the basis of Cartwright's testimony. Oh, well, we all make mistakes, Dr. Crandall. Even you. What do you mean? That drink you just had. It was poisoned, and in a few more minutes, perhaps, you will be dead. But I promise you one thing. I will not make the same mistake on your corpse that I did on Cartwright. So, you... You... I oh, throat. <laughs> you are beginning to feel the effect of the poison. You can't get away with this. I'll come back after I'm dead. I am not the superstitious one, Doctor. I, I can't breathe. My, my throat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Dead. And now, before Mrs. Cartwright can return with the police, as you have instructed her, I... Jonathan! Mrs. Cartwright... Yes, I want to talk to Dr. Crandall. He's... I... Mrs. Crandall, you must come with me. Yes, Mrs. Cartwright. And I am very glad you have returned. What are you going to do? Well, you see, I was just about to change Dr. Crandall's features completely so that I would not have a repetition of the same trouble. Although I did not want to kill him... I guess I was a little hasty. It was you I should have killed, my dear Mrs. Cartwright. Patrice? So you went out to call the police, eh? But they will never find out. Not with my way. You'll find out. You can't do this. You can't get away with it. To the police, it will be just another disappearance. A disappearance caused by the curse of Ptolemy. People like to believe those things, Mrs. Cartwright. No. No. You can't do it, Crawl. For you, Dr. You can't believe me, Crawl. I told you I'd come back. John. It's not true. It can't be. I you feel the pain, Crawl. The pain in your throat. I feel it. Yes, I do. What is it? In your chest. And now it's around your heart. No, no. It is. my heart. I can't breathe. Oh, you. Shock! Shock! 
John, you're alive. I don't understand. I know how trying this is for you, Martha, but listen to me. I'll explain but it. But I just... I wasn't dead. Crowell offered me a poison drink, but I distracted his attention by pretending to hear something outside. Oh. When he went to look, I switched the drinks, and he was the one who got the poison. When I saw you there, I thought the mummy's curse had worked again. No, Martha. That curse we talked about so much was only Crowell's own invention, and it came back to him. If he'd never thought it up, he would never have died as a result. From shadows and stillness, mystery weaves a spell of strangest fascination, charging the mind with doubt and fear. From mystery. No, no, stay where you are. Do not break the stillness of this moment. For this is a time of mystery. A time when imagination is free and moves forward swiftly, silently. This is the haunting hour. If the shoe fits, It is early Sunday morning in the home of Mr. and Mrs. Destos. Mr. Destos is dressing hurriedly while his wife prepares breakfast. Suddenly he calls to her. Elena! Elena! Gregory, please do not call like that. Come here to the kitchen. Elena, I cannot find my charm. Did you see it? How many times will I tell you, Gregory? On Sunday morning, people want to sleep a little. They do not want to hear other people screaming. But don't you hear? I have lost my lucky piece, Helena. Oh, you mean the little coin that you brought to America from Greece? Yes. Here are your eggs. Yes, yes, but where is it? Oh, I have not seen it. Perhaps you lost No, I must find it. It has brought me all the good luck we have had here, and I can never replace it. It's the only one of its kind. Well, you should not have been so careless. That is the remark of a fool. Never mind with you, I'll find it myself. Gregory, it's the first time since we were married three years ago you speak to me like that. Oh, well, forgive me, Helena. I did not mean that. It is just that the little coin means so much to me. And I am in such a hurry, I don't know what I am saying. Are you going to be shot again this Sunday? Yeah, I must. There is so much to be done. I am making more serious now than ever before, and, and it is important that I build up our little business and put away some money in case of need. You will need it for doctor bills, Gregory. You work like this. Day and night and Sundays as well. A man must have his rest. You know how we say, Helena. Never cross your luck. I am now getting the finest clientele in this city. They cannot wait for the shoes. The orders must be filled and I work alone. <sighs> what good is all the money if I never see you? Well, that 
That question you will have to ask Mr. Bollett. Mr. Bollett? You mean... Yes, yes, Elena. I mean the richest, most important man in the city. I told you already I was working for his assistant, Mr. McIntyre. Mr. McIntyre, I have found out, is not Mr. Bollett's assistant, but his bodyguard. So what is the difference? He promised he would get me the business of Mr. Bollett, and he did. You mean you have seen Mr. Bollett? <laughs> sure, many times. Oh. In fact, I am already making shoes for his whole family. Tell me, Gregory, hmm? why does a man like Mr. Bollett need a bodyguard like Mr. McIntyre? Oh, what do I know, Helena? You know what it is with big, important men. They must be careful. <sighs> and now I must go. When will you be home, Gregory? I, uh, I don't know, Helena. We will have to see. Goodbye. Goodbye, Gregory. <laughs> Mr. Destis live here? Yes. Is he home? Could I ask, please, your name? I'm Mr. Bollett. Oh, Mr. Bollett. Oh, come in, please. Come in, McIntyre. Right. Where's your husband, Mrs. Destis? He is not home. You're lying. I do not lie. Just a minute, McIntyre. Where is your husband, Mrs. Destis? I... Do not know. I tell you, she's covering up, boss. Let me go through the house. Just a minute. Mrs. Destis, do you recognize this coin? Oh, it is my husband's good luck piece. But where did you get it? Told you it belonged to him, boss. That's all I want to hear. You know what to do, McIntyre. Don't worry, I'll take care of him. What is wrong? What has my husband done? Don't worry, he won't do it again. And don't forget, McIntyre... If you don't find her before the day's over, there'll be a new man in your place tomorrow. I told you not to worry, boys. I'll be waiting to hear from you. Don't make it too long. We might as well go inside and sit down, Mrs. Destis. What are you going to do? I'm going to wait for your husband. I mean, after he gets here. Well, don't you worry about that. Whatever I do, you should be glad I did it. I do not understand. All right. You want to know what's up? I'll tell you. That husband of yours is a no-good two-timer double-crosser. Now do you understand? No. He's running around with other women. Gregory? With other women? And that ain't all. If he wants to run around with other women, that's his own business. But when he starts fooling around with the boss's daughter, that's going too far. My husband is going with Mr. Bollett's daughter? Mm-hmm. An 18-year-old kid. Oh, no, but it is impossible. Gregory work all the time. In the night, in, in the day. How could he be able to go with anybody? Well, depends what kind of work he's doing at night. Could be working and having a good time, you know. But he's doing what you see. Why shouldn't he tell me? He's not afraid. Maybe he's not afraid of you, but there's other people. We don't like anybody stepping in where they don't belong. See what I mean? Yes. Nothing is more important to Bala than his daughter, Marion. There's nothing too good for her. And he didn't set her up like this for some little jerk shoemaker to cash in on everything. But Gregory is my husband. How could he That's do... just what makes it so tough. You see, uh, whatever he's going to get, he's got it coming to him. But 
How did you find out all this? And that lucky coin he carries around. Oh. Only this time it ain't so lucky. You knew it was his? Mm-hmm. He showed it to me. Told me there wasn't another one like it in the country. And naturally, when Bollett found it on his daughter's dressing table, it was a dead giveaway. Oh. I see. Um... There's no reason why you should take a beating for this, Mrs. Destice. Certainly ain't your fault. And I ain't getting any kick out of telling you. For your own good, you might as well know what's happening. Thank you. Where are you going? I do not feel very good. I'm going out in the street. Have you no patience to... Helena, is something wrong? Close the door. Yes, but you... Now, what is it, Helena? You are so pale. Mr. Bollett is looking for you. He came to our house. Oh? What did he want? He came with his assistant, Mr. McIntyre. They have found out that you are going out with Mr. Bollett's daughter. Me? I am going out with... Please, Gregory. There is no need to try and hide it from me any longer. I know. Oh. <laughs> you are fooling. First, I thought they were fooling. Then they showed me the lucky coin you had lost. Mr. Bollett's daughter had it. What you are saying, Elena, is, is so strange. What matter? I have come to warn you. Beyond that, I have no further duty... You had better not come home. Mr. McIntyre is waiting there for you. Mr. McIntyre? Oh, but then I should go to the police. They cannot do such things in America. What would you tell the police? Do you think they would like to hear how a married man is going with a single girl? Elena, you do not believe that, do you? Mr. Bollett is not so much a fool as I. I thought you were working. But, Elena, no, there is nothing for me outside of my work. And you... I swear, Elena, I have never even seen the girl. I do not even know what she looks like. Only this morning you told me you were making shoes for all of Mr. Bollett's family. Yes, yes, that is true. But for the daughter, I have been getting the measurements from an old pair of shoes. Oh. Sure, that is why Mr. Bollett has been so pleased with my work. He says there is nobody but me who makes custom shoes to fit so perfect by just looking at an old pair. Perhaps it is true. Would you believe them before me, Helena? I, I do not know. It is something we do not see that is behind this. But that does not matter now. It matters only that you believe me. Oh, we have gone through so much together, Helena. How could you think that I would do such a thing to you? But there is the coin. How did the girl happen to have it? That is what I must find out. And I must get it back. No, Gregory. You cannot do that. You must forget about it. But why? It is mine and it has brought me luck. No. No, you have not seen the face of Mr. McIntyre. I have seen that kind of face before. I know what he has in his mind. It is not good. But what am I to do, Helena? I cannot go away and leave you. But you must, Gregory. You cannot even come home. You must leave right away. Then, when you find a place, you will write to me. And I will follow. How do I know what? What they will do to you if I leave. 
I... I would be all right. Then, if you say so, I will go, Helena. Listen, here is all the money I have with me. You will go right from here to the railroad station. I did not think that here in America we would have to... Goodbye, my Helena. Oh, oh yeah. There is not much. Mr. McIntyre. Do not say anything. Just going out for a little walk, huh, Mrs. Justice? Let me write to him. What do you want, Mr. McIntyre? I'll tell you later. Get your hat and coat. No, you cannot take him. No? Maybe this will convince you that I can. You're going to kill him. No, I... Elena. Elena, you must not try to do anything. You cannot fight a revolver. Now you're being smart, Justice. Let's go. Get into that car outside. Goodbye, Helena. Don't worry. Gregory. Oh, my Gregory. Gregory Destos, a custom shoemaker, has become strangely involved with the young daughter of the wealthy and unscrupulous Henry Bollett. And though Destos has denied any knowledge of the affair to his wife, he is forced at the point of a revolver to go off in the custody of Bollett's so-called bodyguard, McIntyre, who has been assigned to take care of Destos. Now, after walking the streets aimlessly, thinking of something to do, Mrs. Destos returns home. Gregory, what have you done? How did you get back here? I have done nothing, Elena. Mr. McIntyre brought me here. But why did he do that? I thought... Listen to me. He too believes that I have been seeing Mr. Bollett's daughter. Oh. And as a favor to me, Mr. McIntyre will give us time to leave the city. But we must never come back. I do not understand it. I do not think he likes Mr. Bollett very much... But even so, why, why should he let me go? What reason did he give? He said it was because... Well, because I made him the most perfect shoes he ever wore. So, that is your reward. To go away and never come back. He says that if Mr. Bollett ever finds out that I am here, it will be the end for all of us. But if Mr. McIntyre is such a good friend, Gregory, why was he the one to tell Mr. Bollett that you were seeing the daughter? He, he told Mr. Bollett? Yes. When Mr. Bollett found the lucky charm in his daughter's room, it was Mr. McIntyre who told him it belonged to you. Oh. And I... I don't understand. Gregory, it is clear that... Who is that? I will answer it. Gregory. There is no use to hide anymore, Elena. It has to be this way. Are you Mr. Destus? Yes. Well, here's part of what you deserve. Oh, why did you hit him? That's only the beginning. Get up from the floor, Destus. Quick. Say, say, no, don't. Why not? It's coming to him, isn't it? But that's the wrong man. That isn't the one. Oh, oh, gosh. Oh, here, let me help you up. Has everyone gone mad? Oh, you're Mrs. Justice, aren't you? Yes. I'm Marion Bollett. Oh, you are Mr. Bollett's daughter. Yes. And I'm terribly sorry for what Mr. Potter just did. You see, he's a friend of mine, and he was just trying to help me. You see, I thought you were the one who had sent Miss Bollett that note. No? What note? The one in which you demanded a thousand dollars. I demanded a thousand dollars? Oh, no. You see, my father wants me to go out only with people he approves of. Now, I know he wouldn't approve of Fred, because Freddie isn't rich enough. 
so we haven't told Dad that we go out together. But what does that got to do with my husband? Well, the other day, I got a letter saying that if I didn't leave a thousand dollars at a certain place, the writer would tell my father all about me and Fred. And you thought I was the person who wrote that letter? Well, I, I went to the spot. It was five miles outside the city limits, behind the deserted Hamilton house. And I left $200 there, with a note saying that I'd leave more today. Then I drove off at a distance and sat in my car watching. And you saw the men? Yes. Although I couldn't identify him from that distance, I do know that he was much bigger than you. But when he left, I went back to see if he'd found the money. And he had, all right. And while I was looking, I found a Greek coin that he dropped. So I put it in my purse and later left it in my bedroom where Father found it. That was when I first learned it belonged to you. Then why did you come here? Well, I had to. I was going to give you the rest of the money to make sure you didn't talk to my father. But now I know you're not the man. So, it was someone else who took away your lucky coin, Gregory, to make it look like you? Yes. Well, I'd sure like to lay my hands on him. I think I am beginning to see why Mr. McIntyre wants me to go away. Are you talking about my father's assistant? Yes. He wants my husband to leave the city. Your father thinks that Gregory is going out with you. Well, how would he get an idea like that? Mr. McIntyre advised him. Then, do you think that... Why, of course. It's as clear as the nose on your face. But what can we do? Wait. Wait, I have an idea. Uh, where did you say you left the $200, Miss Bullitt? Behind the old deserted Hamilton house. You know where that is, don't you? Yes. Yes, it has been empty for many years now, has it not? At least five years. But how can that help us? What time is it now? It's six o'clock. Uh-huh. It will be light for about one hour more. You mean you want to go out there tonight? Miss Bullitt, you said that you were bringing the money to me. Yes, I thought that you uh, were... Would you let me bring the money to the Hamilton house and place it there for you? You want us to go with you? If you will allow me, I would rather go alone. You mean you're going to wait there and see if you can catch him? While it is light, I will wait. If he does not come then, I will go back to my shop and I will be working there all night. And what do you want us to do? If you do not hear from me tonight, I would like you to take Miss Bullitt to the Hamilton house tomorrow and see if the money is gone. If it is, I would like you to come to my store and tell me the first thing in the morning. All right. Here's the money, and then we'll go along. Uh, good night, and uh, thank you. Good night. Good night. Oh, are you sure you're doing the right thing, Gregory? Yes, Helena. Do you want me to stay here? No. No, I want you to come with me. Oh, what can I do there? You will see. Come, Helena. Come. It is darkening quickly, Gregory. Yes. Yes, I must work quickly. Here. Ah, here is the place where Miss Bullock must have put the money last time. Now, we put this in the same place. Yes, so. And now, you stay here, Helena. Here? Are we going to wait for him to come? No. But where are you going, Gregory? There is something I must find. What is it? It must be here. But why must I stay here? Because I do not want you to... Huh? Yes, I found it. The man has left something he didn't know about. Come here, Helena. What have you found? It had to be here. Look. Look, do you see what I mean? Oh, yes, Gregory. I see what you mean. As soon as I have it, we will go back to the shop. I will be working all night, Helena. All night. (laughs) 
half past eight in the morning, Gregory. Yes. At this time every morning, the shop is already open. Huh? Oh, yes. Yes, Helena, you better unlock the door. Unlock it? But if Mr. McIntyre comes here and finds you, what then? I think now we are ready for Mr. McIntyre, Helena. I hope so. Who is that? Oh, it's Miss Bollick and the young man. Good. Let them in. It's gone, Mrs. Dester. We looked all over. It was gone. My husband has been working all night. Well, this is a fine time to be fixing shoes, Dester. I am just finishing. But what are we going to do now? Now that we know the rest of the money is gone. I expect that in a few minutes your father will be here. How do you know that? After what has already happened, he must be following you. But you know that we don't want to be seen together. Why didn't you say this before? Because Mr. Bollett is interested in me, not you. Well, Mary and I, I think it's best if we get out of here. All right, Freddie. If you think we... All right, Justice. Took me a long time to catch up with you, but I finally did. I am not running away, Mr. McIntyre. Marion, how can you come to this man's place at this hour of the morning? Why shouldn't I? Mr. Destis is trying to help me track down a criminal who's been blackmailing me. Blackmailing you? Yes. And trying to incriminate Mr. Destis at the same time by leaving his possessions where I could find them. You're talking about that Greek coin? You mean he didn't give it to you? No, he didn't. I found it. Wait a minute. You mean somebody's been blackmailing you and trying to throw the blame on Destis? Yes, Mr. Bullitt. And now I think I am able to find out who the man is. How can a shoemaker suddenly become a detective? I know very little besides making shoes, Mr. McIntyre. I make them to live. But now I have made one to save my life. What are you talking about? I went to the place where your daughter left the black hair money. There I found something that the man did not know about. Two footprints. One hers, one somebody else. I have made shoes in many different ways. But until today, never from a footprint. You mean the shoe you've been working on all night is measured from that footprint? Measured so carefully, Miss Bullitt, that it could not be worn by anybody else. You see, the print had a special high arch, and the pressure was greatest on the left side of the heel. Because of this, the toes on the right side were longer than average. Well, suppose you're right. Who are you going to try the shoe on? I would like to start with the men here. If it is all right, I would like to see if it fits. Uh, Mr. McIntyre. That's the screwiest thing I ever heard of. Take your shoe off, McIntyre. Go ahead, Dustus. Thank you. Let me have the shoe, Elena. Oh, here. And the shoehorn? No. No, that will not be needed. Press, Mr. McIntyre. I'm pressing. It just won't go, that's all. Uh-huh. Uh, will you remove your shoe, Mr. Potter? You mean that Fred... Oh, why, that's preposterous. Let him have his fun, Marion. There. Press, Mr. Potter. I... I'm pressing, but it doesn't go. Of course, it's silly to suspect. Uh, one moment. Mr. Potter, will you uncurl your toes? Mm-hmm. So. And now, the shoe fits. It is amazing how you fashioned that shoe from a simple footprint, Justice. I think, Mr. Bullitt, that he will never find another shoe to fit him as well. I'm afraid that it won't matter so much where he's going. I suppose McIntyre's turned him over to the police by now. But I still don't see how Mr. Destis could find out all that information from a single shoe print. How did you know that Fred had the blackmail money in his pocket? Oh, I did not know that. I knew only that the blackmail money had been taken away from the place where I left it. But from the beginning, Mr. Potter's face was familiar. 
Then I remembered the day my lucky coin disappeared, there was a man in my shop, and he was asking me for prices. Tell me, Miss Bullitt, did Mr. Porter ever have a mustache? Why, yes. He just shaved it off a few days ago. Mm Mm-hmm. And sometimes he wears glasses? That's right. Of course, I could not ask these questions before. Naturally. But that proves conclusively he was the man. You deserve a lot of credit for this, Testus, and I'll see that you get it, too. Well, come along, Marion. Perhaps you'll listen to me in the future. Goodbye, Mr. and Mrs. Testus. Goodbye. Oh, Gregory, it is over. Like being free again. Is it not wonderful? (laughs) So wonderful, Elena. I think I will take a holiday. We will go home now and go to sleep. From shadows and stillness, mystery weaves a spell of strangest fascination, charging the mind with doubts and fears. For mystery is a strange companion, a living memory in the haunting hour. Mates, what a set of tales, right? And our first tale involving the mummy and the murdered husband. Yikes! The old bait and switch with the poison. (laughs) Sneaky, sneaky. And the mental prowess of the detective makes you wonder what he'd do if he'd pushed over the edge, right? And if the shoe fits was really an old-time radio episode that had me doing brain gymnastics on who's doing what and where the money's going. But it all clicked at the end. When it came to the final footprint, just brilliant. Speaking of brilliant, you lot on the other end, thank you so much for listening. If you have any requests and stories of your own, send them to storiesfablesghostlytales at gmail.com. And if you get some time, swing on by my iTunes page and leave a review. Helps people of your lovely caliber find me, and I'm always looking for subscribers like you. Lastly, if you want to support the show that supports the authors and remasters old audio, swing on by my Patreon. No obligation, of course, to donate, but you can take a look around, just in case you do, at www.patreon.com forward slash sfgt. All right, you listening legends. I'm going to be back Thursday with a new set of tales that I know you're going to love. So stay creepy in this month of October, and as always, till next we meet.